0: Turn <laughs>
1: On eleven sixteen, SEN the Four
2: Diego's. Yes, here we are back on a Wednesday night. Rodrigo Rodriguez with you. We're back from Brazil. Vinny Venezuela is in the house as well. (laughs) Thank you very much, Rodrigo. Vinny Venezuela, how are you? Yes,
3: I'm. I'm okay. I'm recovering from um, issues to do with. uh the spelling of my surname. Yes,
2: yes. Your very own man with tan too, by the way, looking resplendent even after a sleep-deprived kind of the haze Copa, that we're all in. The
3: Copacabana will do that to you, Rodrigo. <laughs> yes,
2: absolutely. And Warren, you're looking a bit uh, sunburnt as
4: always, but welcome to the show. Thanks, Rodrigo. Isn't it? There, there's a movie called The Boys. The Boys from Brazil. Mm. There is too. And yes. um, I feel like The Boys from. I was just reflecting, Rodrigo. This oh, time last good week. to reflect. This time last week, I was doing this. I was doing a segment. Yes. Was no? With yep. Finey. Yep. And we were in your hotel room. That's which right. Oh, you <laughs> rated you rated my minibar too, by the way. I did. It was it was about ten o'clock in Sao Paulo That's as right. we were looking out on the you know, the um the helicopter and the power lines. Yeah, it was amazing and here we are this week. I know so it's amazing. It's, it's good. Yeah, to
2: and, and here. we we got here, you know, there wasn't any travel
4: involved.
2: <laughs> no, anyway, we're just osmosis, we're back and Carlos Alberto Diego, you're looking refreshed. No, I'm not...
1: <laughs> That's a lie It is a lie Sorry uh, I'm, a t- I'm actually glowing with a tan But I'm sleep deprived And yeah. uh, 40 hours The trip back Would you believe?
2: Yeah it was a bit longer than that I thought Carlos Given yeah. the drive from Sao Paulo to Rio but, uh...
1: Yeah uh, Vinny. By the way yes. Just just on the whole Venezuela thing Yes you, you're, you're upset about the name Our listeners out there won't know Unless they've been to our Facebook page And seen the video mm. about this Do you want to quickly explain Why you're upset about The <laughs> Venezuela Or Venezuela <laughs> name Being well, tainted?
3: Well could, could you raise that too, Carlos? Yes. Well, we were as as tour leaders. We were given special shirts. Because yes. it was sort of our tour from premium we, sports from which premium we sports loved. Yeah. You did a fantastic job, but for this one little uh, oversight. spell check. Uh, spell check. They had all our names on it. So there was Carlos Alberto, Rodrigo Rodriguez, Warren Diego, and there was Vinnie Venezuela. In Venezuela. And it was it was very upsetting. But you got the E. I forgot the e. And if anyone's going to notice the the lack of an e in Venezuela, it's got to be South Americans. (laughs) And when you go to the the heart, the beating heart of South America, with a shirt that says Venezuela,
1: yeah. When we walked up Ipanema Beach, I was thinking I'm I'm the wingman for Vinny Venezuela, but uh, I was a wingman with no with no plane. Yeah, you almost got mugged, actually. No, no. There
3: there were people in Favelas getting angry (laughs) about that shirt and the
2: misspelling.
1: But anyway.
2: Oh, look, we had a fantastic time. And, uh, yeah, again, with uh, thanks to Premium Sport Tours and, and everyone on that tour. If you want to yeah. check out what the tour was like and get a really good vibe. Relive the tour. Relive the tour with the Diego's. Vinny, Venezuela, Venezuela what do they do? <laughs> well,
3: all you need to do, if you go to facebook.com forward slash 4Diego's, you, you can check out our Facebook page. And there and thereabouts are uh, many of the things that we did. Uh, we took heaps of uh, videos, we, lots of photos of everyone on the tour. Some new shots. The there's nudity
1: there? There is some nudity,
3: so the kiddies, will, yep. the kiddies hair. will need to look away. Yeah,
1: and for those, uh, who, for those uh, <laughs> husbands <laughs> out there, yeah, for those husbands out there where the wives have gone to bed, go to the video with the Argentina, Argentinian girl singing oh. prior to the game yes. at a Mar- Diego Maradona barbecue that we were yeah. at. I uh, will tell you what, if you mm-hmm. want to get a sense of what it was like on Nemo Beach, uh, the drum beats and the uh, and the, the, just the the sounds of football and the sounds of uh, the romance around the game, just uh, watch her start singing some. Uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful Brazilian music.
2: Yeah, it wasn't wasn't until I saw that video where I thought, hmm, Warren and I opted for the Sugarloaf Mountain tour. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> like, a, like an old couple. Yeah. But anyway, no, that was good too, wasn't it, Warren? There was nothing wrong with Sugarloaf <laughs> no, Mountain. We got some lovely, <laughs> lovely shots. Lovely pictures. Lovely, lovely photos of <laughs> Rio. And, yeah, I wish I was there. A, yeah, and no, the I can, fog. Yeah. The other thing
4: I wanted to state was the budget for the tour was going beautifully till the last night and Carlos took us out to a brazilian barbecue. <laughs> yes. What's it price? That's right.
2: <laughs> That's right, gee, yeah, I'm still going to pay the back manager for that one but anyway, we're back and the football Yes, football. How good has the football been? We'd love to take your calls tonight on nine four two nine eleven sixteen, and also your text messages, messages on zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We'll get to the hot topic in a minute. Yeah, but, but so, maybe the,
1: the calls. If you give us a ring, yeah. what are you? What are you loving? What are you loving yeah, about question. the the World Cup at the moment? We've just told you what we've loved, yeah. And we're not even well. Now we've got back to Melbourne. It's a sudden death stage, so we'll enjoy that. But from the group stage, we just love being in Brazil. But what have you been loving about the World Cup, watching it on TV? Yeah,
2: nine four two nine eleven sixteen. We're at the uh, we're going to come to the quarterfinal stage, but uh, let's just quickly go through the results, and we'll talk about Australia in a minute as well. But uh, Brazil uh, defeated Chile in uh, penalties three um, two. Colombia defeated Uruguay two 0 France defeated Nigeria two nil. Uh, Germany defeated Algeria in extra time two one. Netherlands defeated Mexico two one. Costa Rica. Uh, defeated, defeated Greece uh, in, uh, in on penalties uh, 5-3, Argentina defeated Switzerland 1-0 and Belgium defeated the United States in extra time 2-1 Just a
4: couple of facts I'm just
2: keeping going with facts Is this a you Brazilian travelogue? It's not a Brazilian <laughs> travelogue
4: fact although Iguazu Falls would have been really good to get to <laughs> just very quietly but um, you know that the, the Brazil Chile game was the most tweeted sporting event in the history of sporting events, it out um, it it tweeted the last Super Bowl as the most tweeted event, and interestingly the second French goal, and I never realised this, the second French goal, I think it was Pongba, Pogba, it, Pogba, yeah, <laughs> meant that there would be, there's been more goals in this World Cup up till this point than the total number of goals, it was 140 goals for the whole of the last World Cup in South Africa, so... In terms of a spectacle, I don't know what you guys have been getting since you've been back, but the vibe is that everybody has really been
1: saying that this has been the best World Cup. Yeah, well, there's a a real symmetry to what's happening, because I think it's the first time ever you were saying, Warren, Warren, before the show, that the group winners of every group uh, are actually through to the quarterfinals, which is something that's never happened before. Uh, And I've noticed in the playoff stage, except for maybe the Costa Rica game, when they went down to 10 men and the Greeks were really, really putting pressure on them, I think every other team, even though they've gone into extra time and there's been penalties, it's been a real tough battle, every other team that's qualified for the quarterfinals, I think have been the better team. So we're going to see some cracking quarterfinals now. And out of all of them, probably the only ones that are really impressed me, and this is probably because of the Rodriguez, your uh, cousin. Yeah, my cousin. Your cousin, Rod uh, Rodrigo son Rodriguez. Son of my cousin. Exactly right. James <laughs> or James? James. James. We call him James. in the uh, I reckon Colombia's looking red hot at the moment, and they're playing against a uh, Brazil It's hasn't hit. I don't believe it's hit its straps yet. Even though I felt that their win over uh, Chile. Uh, was, uh, was a win that really grinded Chile down. And it's a very good Chile side. So that's going to be a cracking uh, quarterfinals too.
3: Can I just say a couple of
1: things? Like, because people
3: want, have, have been asking me about, uh, given Warren did all the stuff with the logs, they, they've been asking how his, um, his Brazilian went, his, you know, his ability to communicate. And um, <laughs> as much as we were impressed by his ability to pronunciate and enunciate words in Brazilian here in the studio... He just wasn't worth a no. pinch of the proverbial over there in Brazil. He couldn't no. even order a Coke. No. no, no I found He was hopeless. Vin- Vinny
2: and I were reaching deep yeah. into our linguistics to uh, to get around, I thought. But uh, Warren uh, wasn't much help. I, I did he say... Actually, he resorted to sign language
3: in the end, <laughs> which I thought was a little bit offensive. Yeah,
4: there was, a, there was one incident, wasn't there, Rodrigo, that really yeah, you- was the the harnessing of the antithesis. Well, I wanted to buy a pair of runners over yeah. in Brazil. And, but... um. I actually was heard to say that the best thing that Brazil could do would be to make English the official language, (laughs) but uh, it was probably a A little
2: bit disrespectful. But what's the hot topic tonight, Carlos, then on the back of uh, the quarterfinals that uh, we're just about to have? Brazil-Colombia? France, Germany, Netherlands, Costa Rica, and Argentina, Belgium. They're crackers. I think they're
1: going to be great games. And uh, I'm just asking our listeners out there something very simple. Who is going to win the World Cup? From the quarterfinal stage, who do you reckon is going to get through there? I'd love to see a Brazil Argentina final. And I'd love to see Argentina beat Brazil. Uh, which they did uh, many, many decades ago uh, uh, and led to a lot of suicides, by the way, in Brazil because oh, it was uh, at the Maracanã at the time. So, uh, oh, was it Uruguay? I'm just kidding, was Uruguay or Argentina beat them uh, at home when everyone expected. I think Uruguay, yeah, 201,000 people at the Maracanã and that was a shock. And I want to see a similar type shock, even though I love the Brazilians and they don't need to be shocked, they don't deserve to be shocked. But, uh, I, you know, I like, like a bit of drama in football. So I'm hoping Brazil, Argentina final.
3: I have to say that uh, with, the, with the Argentinians, when we were in Rio, they were there, we were there for their game was it with, with Bosnia, I think. Yeah, yeah. And there was lots of trouble. It was not lots of trouble, but there was trouble. And the Brazilians don't mind getting the tear gas out when they're Argentinians <laughs> in, in the streets. So no. it could go badly for them if they do win <laughs> in Brazil.
2: Okay, so the hot topic is 04, uh, 0433981116. Who is going to win? The World Cup, simple as that. Who do you think will win the World Cup? Zero four double three, ninety eight eleven sixteen. All right, let's talk about our boys. Yep, let's talk about our boys because I think uh, you know we, we need to we need we need to talk about and put on record which which we have to an extent, but uh, on this show, the Four Diego's show on Wednesday night, Warren Diego. Can you just summarise our boys' performance? We had a 3-1 uh, defeat against Chile, a 3-2 defeat against the Netherlands, and then uh, 3-0 against Spain.
4: Yeah, I think, look, overall, and I would say this from an experience, the footballing experience in Brazil in terms of following the Socceroos was an absolutely pleasurable experience. It was The games were great to watch. They were exciting. We played the right brand of football. We had players that were able to step up to the next level. Matthew Leckie is probably the most notable one of that. We had a player score one of the goals of the tournament, certainly in the top three. That was Tim Cale. And visually, it's, it's funny. You're watching games live. You don't get to watch them in replay. You don't get to listen to English commentary. So you're just going on feel. And I think... The general vibe in being there was absolutely sensational. From the 150 people that we went away with, to people in the stand, to neutrals. The whole vibe around the Socceroos was absolutely excellent. So you say you're happy to lose. You're
1: happy for glorious failures, <laughs> are you, Warren? No, no, I actually thought three I games, was three losses. there, Carlos.
4: <laughs> three games,
1: three losses. <laughs> no, I no, wasn't hearing a but.
2: You guys travelled so well together.
1: I wasn't hearing
4: a but. No, well, you're the one that's come out on record saying that this group will be the best Socceroos Absolute. team in when, history. When it's my turn to speak, I'll tell you what I think. No, look, the experience in watching the Socceroos was fantastic. There was a couple of things, though. There were a couple of things. We couldn't manage to keep, our, uh, keep a clean sheet beyond or up to 20 minutes in, in, any, in any game, and that really meant that we were playing from behind and, and maybe overinflated the performance because defensively you've got to stop goals before you can score them. Look, they played in the right spirit. They played in attacking football. They took it up to the opposition, but they still lost, and there's still some improvement to go. But watching the games, and I've watched quite a number of the games with my wife since I've been home, particularly the Australian games, pound for pound, the Australian games in the qualifying stages were as good, if not better, than most of the other qualifications. So I'd give them a pass mark, but in saying that, they lost three games, they conceded nine goals, they 've got to get better
1: defensively, but overall pretty good i I, look, I I'm happy to the extent that we see in glimpses and and actually in some in some cases big slabs of the game we're seeing what the what Ange trying to do with this side play modern football attacking football uh when we don't have the ball press the opposition, and no parking the bus so there's got to be a, a a method to the way we play. And it's got to be a modern style of football, blend in with the characteristics of Australian players, which is you know being competitive, being physical and all that sort of stuff. And we can only get better over time. And I love the fact that he's come out very strongly saying that three losses aren't good enough. That's not what we're here for, that we're not going to celebrate three losses. And I'll tell you what, no one in the squad is safe. You need to be playing regularly. You need to be playing well for your club and in a decent league to get a game for the Socceroos. No one can be comfortable. Uh, and I think that's a bit of a message to a few of the Socceroos and maybe the former managers of the Socceroos, Holger Ossick and Ferdbeke, used to pick players on reputation rather than on what they were doing with their clubs. So for me, that was a positive I got out of it. But by no means am I happy with us losing three games out of three and going out and copying nine goals uh, and, okay, we, there were some decent performances, but that's not something we should be satisfied with.
3: Look, I think uh, the boys did exceptionally well given the amount of time they had with Ange, given the amount of time they had with each other, and stuff like that. I, I, th- I think what we learned from it and what they learned from it, and we're bound to learn even more, is that you've, you've got to concentrate for the for the full 90 minutes, sure. and when we did score, we then gave away goals cheaply, or we gave away the, a first goal Cheaply and and stuff like that and I think that uh, it is hard for us to score it's probably going to get a little bit harder for us to score without someone like Timmy Cahill but we will fix that as well but uh, the the, the biggest frustration that we all felt was when you know we were edging closer and edging closer and then suddenly we had a lapse
2: yeah those short term lapses and and it was palpable in the stadiums Mm where you knew the other team was going to score. Because, oh, it was just,
1: because they, they just it played us. A... The, the opposition always looked like they it, it yeah. could score. Uh, and some of the goals, I mean, the Robin goal against Holland, mm. when we were completely dominant and it was schoolboy defending, where he just ran for half a pitch and no one got near him. I mean, really, that was, a, that was just a kick in the guts, yeah. watching that after playing so, so well. And that's a kick in the guts for us. Can you imagine what it was like to the players and the coaching staff and those on the bench? After playing so well and then giving such a soft goal away. And the Van Persie goal, the same thing in that game. I mean, both goals. And then Matty Ryan, who I love. I love Matty Ryan. Had a great interview with his mum in the stands, which we'll put up on our website very soon. Uh, You know, his mistake. I mean, really just letting in uh, the opposition with really soft mistakes, mistakes. So I'm really hoping... With as a team evolves and stuff, that that'll be cut out, and, so, and suddenly we'll be much much more solid in that area.
2: Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. That is the talkback number. We'd love to take your calls. Tom in Caulfields called us and wants to talk about the coach Ange Postacoglu's tactics against the Dutch. Welcome to the show, Tom. Hey, how are you? Very Good well, mate. very well. Good Tom, year, did,
3: Tom. Sorry, before you start, did you miss us? <laughs> uh, a lot.
2: Oh, good on you, oh, You hesitated,
1: no, Tom. Nice
3: yeah, not happy about the hesitation, yeah. <laughs> but we're
2: a little bit jet lagged. Yeah. Um, the system's starting to work again. But, uh, <laughs> but
0: uh, what, what would you like to say? Um, I, I have to say, other than Leckie, I think it was the first time I've ever seen, um, the most thing I was impressed about the most, but the first time I've ever seen really good tactics from an Australian coach at a World Cup um, against the Dutch. Uh, and I don't know if you guys noticed, but. Um, he had the two strikers, Timmy and the other one, I can't remember, who was playing, pushing um, right up on the wingers. Yeah, Tommy
1: Orr, I think, was up there too, pushing on.
0: Yeah, so as the Dutch brought the ball up the wings, because they like to play uh, Robin and the other one on the wings there, they were pressing and pressing, and it really cut off the supply up forward. Um, And only, I think, after the 70th minute, did um, uh, the Dutch coach, what's his name, Van Van whatever, yeah, change his tactics. And then they started gaining a little bit more it. I mean I was really impressed tactically with Ange Postecoglou. I think that's something like we've met we've completely lacked at every world cup and the truth is at every international stage.
4: Yeah, I think you make a really good point there, Tom. I, for me, there's a couple of things about Ange Postecoglou. He's he captures the he seems to improve players that come under his tutelage. He spends any time with he seems to get the maximum out of them. They seem to be able to listen and be able to implement a way of playing. He seems to... Well, he's an Australian. I think he gets the essence of what Australian football fans want to see from their team. And he's prepared to go out there and try guys, new guys or guys that we underestimate or don't know a lot about. He sees something and if they fit to the style that he wants them to play, they'll play regardless. So I think he's captured. There's no going back for me. I mean, Ange won't be the manager of the Socceroos forever and ever. But for me, there's not... There's no going back to an overseas manager that's doing it more for well, an, maybe himself. An overseas
1: manager who says this Australian players can't do something. Uh, I mean, we've had Holger Osic, we've had Pim Verbeek and coaches even before that who are overseas coaches who come in and they say, oh, we've got to park the bus because we're not able to go against the Germanys or against the Brazils or whatever it is. And what we've got here is an Australian coach is saying, I'm sick and tired of hearing that. Our players are as good as anyone in the world. But they need to have a system of play, and that 's what he 's breeding into them and that 's what I think the the measuring stick is actually been set now or the line's been set that anyone who comes in, in the future we won 't believe if they turn around in fact, you should kick them out of the job interview if they suggest that the Australian players can 't do something now i 'm not saying we 're doing it very well at the moment or even perfectly uh, but so, but if we keep on working over the next four years. Things are possible, you know. Maybe quarterfinals might be possible if the players keep on improving at club level and as a team. When the when the soccerers get together, they keep on improving the brand. And as Vinny says, we keep on concentrating throughout the ninety minutes.
3: Thanks for your call, there, Tom. Um, the other thing I was going to add, Carlos and boys, is is this is the World Cup that teams like Costa Rica and and Colombia and the USA. These are the people, you know. They're not expected to to get out of the group, and and the fact that They did. Uh, I think bodes well for us. I think that we have got work to do. But it it also shows everyone and anyone that it doesn't matter who you are. You can beat that team if you just persist. And and, they're all attacking teams. They're they're all attacking attacking teams. teams. They're they're
1: not sitting back and and getting people in the counter. And that's what I liked about this World Cup. I can't think of a team that's actually done that. And I remember over many uh, World Cups, there's, there's been teams that have been coached that way where they've brought in a, you know, a, an overseas coach and the coaches just set them up so they don't lose. Uh, I, 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 we should throw that out the window because uh, I think we much more, uh, us as Australians, respond better to a team that has a go. Mm. And this team did have a go over there, although they were very, very disappointed against Spain, completely outclassed oh. in that last game.
4: Oh, I actually think that the, the, the difference between the best and the worst – teams and if we look at every one of the underdog teams that has lost in this round of 16 you know they've taken it up to the opposition they've had scoring shots they've dominated for particular parts of the game for me the only thing is the superstar players that these teams that have got that have got through have been the difference and I think that Australia needs to realize that you know if you go at opposition, you can trouble them for periods of time, you can make their best players come under a little bit of pressure and you can score goals against them. And it, it is then only organised defensive organisation and, and more team and, yeah. and I think greater depth that really yeah. costs you in the end.
3: Leckie was sensational and I remember it was a game against Chile where he, he just ran with the ball and he, he weaved past a few yeah. people and the only thing he didn't do was, was crack the whip yeah. Um, but One yeah. less
4: cutback, Finney, and it would have been the goal of the tournament. Yeah, right.
3: and, and so we, we have got that capacity, and, and I think you just then got to have the self-belief, and, and you've got to tweak your technique a little bit, but it's doable for us too.
4: And games against quality opposition, which I think, and I wouldn't put Australia in the same category as the three other Asian teams that all failed to win a game in this World Cup, but there is a sense that even though... Spectator-wise, that Asia is growing in terms of participation and the best teams don't seem to want to play Asian teams. We need to get more regular competition against these best. And I think if you look at this World Cup, it's the World Cup of Central and Southern America and Europe in terms of who's qualified.
2: Look, I'll never forget the Netherlands game. Yeah, you know, there were 61st hugs minute. galore, you know, with the four Diegos and uh, everyone around us. All the, the onlookers from Brazil that were sitting around us, and uh, even the Dutch were um, turning around. Actually, video was hugging each other when Timmy kale scored that absolute ripper. We'll never forget that.
1: Well, we had Brazilian women coming and wanting to take photos with us and, and when Timmy scored that goal. And Actually, I got on swapping yes. garments. Yes, uh, of course. Yes. yes. Swapped garments. Yeah, as and, I know. And,
2: that, and just before we go to the break, uh, Theo cuts to the chase, and it's a question on many, many uh, <laughs> lips. Welcome back, guys. How hot were the Brazilian women?
1: They were pretty now, hot, but not as hot as my no, wife. They,
2: they were hot in Rio, because it was about 30-odd degrees, <laughs> but, um, but uh, look, I've got to say. They were lovely,
1: intelligent women who were independent mm, and uh, yes. and uh, with a lot of substance. So in they other words, Theo, you've
2: got a bit of cash. Get yourself to Brazil <laughs> if you're single. <laughs>
1: Do that. Not as beautiful as my wife. Oh though. no,
2: not as beautiful as Australian women. Hello, my stop. beautiful
1: Carmen Miranda, who's listening right now. No, pound yes. for pound.
2: Well, I'm well, obviously <laughs> pound for pound is the operative word. Let's uh, look. Uh, now I need to take a break. Now we'll come back to Luke uh, before we get to Mike McGrath. Let's take a break now and come back with uh, more of the Diego's right here on eleven sixteen SEN Melbourne's home of sport on eleven sixteen SEN the Four Diego. Yes, here on a Wednesday night, as always, uh, with the Fort Diego's eleven sixteen SCN Melbourne's home of sport. Um,
1: Rodrigo, can I um, can I say I know we've got to go to Luke. And Luke, apologise for this. Is, but it's school but holidays. We made some really really close friends. I, I would say family, uh, yeah. with our tour well, the Samba Rumba. So closely, yeah, Sumba Rumba La Bumba tour. I know they're listening uh, from all over Australia. Uh, they they promised that they would listen tonight, and some of them are still over there listening to us on the web. I want to say hello. To oi 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 olá to Ola. Bon to, bon to bon all you. our oh, great friends morning. from the Samba Rumba and Lumbumba tour. What a fantastic tour! We enjoyed that now, Carlos, more than sorry, they did, I reckon. The <laughs> it was listeners fantastic.
3: may not know, but in Brazil, when when they greet each other, they say oi. Oi, Yeah, that's that's how they say good day.
1: Yeah, it, it actually was funny because when the Aussies sort of walked up and down the streets, you know, Aussie Aussie, Aussie or oi oi, oi. Hello. what, hello, what hello, he meant to there, yeah, it's hello hello hello.
3: <laughs> and this is another little interesting bit of trivia. When if you're watching a game and you see oi written on the uh, you know, is that yeah. ad- advertising? That's uh, that's actually their phone company. That's like yeah. an to so say hello, yeah, there you go. Let's go nine four
2: two nine eleven sixteen. Let's go to Luke in Carnegie. He's been very patient and holding on. Luke, you want to speak about Tommy or welcome to the show, mate?
0: Hi. Um. You know, when uh, I got up to watch Australia, good boy. And um, Tommy or uh passed it in, but I thought he should have taken the shot. Mm. He just. I don't think he had the confidence.
1: I agree with you. Um, that was against Luke. Holland, and he, and he crossed it to Matthew Leckie, who chested it that's right. <laughs> from six yards, and a, a, you know, unfortunately, and then they that, went on score. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely next, uh, great. Player. Great pick up there, Luke. It, uh, it, that is uh, a, a point that was very, very frustrating. And we sort of talked about, you know, why didn't he pull the trigger? Because he could have scored himself, and he's, he has got a great shot in him. But the crossover, why didn't? Matthew Lecky either try and volley it or maybe a diving header, which someone like a Van Persie would have done. So it's one of the frustrating things. I reckon Matthew Lecky probably would have nightmares about that moment, and even Tommy Orr. But uh, I think one of the players who probably could have performed better during the tournament would have been Tommy Orr. He probably a bit substandard. uh, Probably pushed off the ball. It's really light. Yeah, I mean he's small, but you know, but he has played you know, top-level football in Holland for a number of years now. So I'm not sure what happened there and uh, probably he was probably not at his best. Mm. I have to
3: say, and Tommy Orr is a brilliant player, but I don't know that he had the World Cup that he was hoping to have either. But uh, when Troisi came on in his position in the Spain game, uh, Troisi was physically just a bit, he's got a bit more weight about him and was holding his own a little bit better than Tommy Orr, who who tended to get swatted off the ball a little bit, unfortunately. Mm.
2: Absolutely. Just before we go to... our next caller will be Mike McGrath. The Colombians' goal celebration is to be the best thus far versus Greece. It was like a hardcore air jazz band. <laughs> yes. They are pretty cool, aren't they, the Colombians? It's yes. about the team,
3: that celebration. It's not about stacks
1: on the mill. <laughs> James Rodriguez up. has had a very good Hames. tournament. Hamers. Hamers. Uh Just off the Twitter, uh, yep. of course, at 40 goes if you want to follow us. Uh, Mick Petter says it's uh, good to have us back, which is great. We're, it's We're really happy to be back ourselves. But uh, he said he was disappointed we'd lost every game over there. But very... Very, very happy that we did it with the kiddies and not the old blokes. Excellent.
2: Thanks, Mick. Appreciate that. At 4 Diego's, check us out on Twitter. Do follow us, please, and facebook.com forward slash 4 Diego's. It's uh, 23 minutes to midnight. Yes, I do like the time calls. Let's go to our man in the UK, our page four guy for the sun, Mike McGrath. Mike, welcome to the show.
0: Yeah, welcome back, guys. Hope the Khyberenia hangover is coming.
3: Uh, <laughs> Jeez, they are, are very lethal are. Uh, weapons. I tell you now, you can't have more than three. It, it did or strange one. things
2: to me one night <laughs> yeah. in Venezuela. Hey, Mike, uh, of course, you've got Rodrigo, Vinny, uh, Warren, and Carlos. Now, now we're back. Um, obviously, the English boys were back uh, much sooner than uh, they'd hoped. How's it been over there in the UK given their uh, first round exit from the World Cup?
0: Well, I mean, the World Cup itself. Everybody's loving it, as you guys are as well. It's um, you know the, all, all the games. It seems have you know have been real thrillers, and unfortunately, you know England haven't been part of it, and uh, we've been kind of the forgotten guys of the, the tournament. Uh, you know, even Australia, uh, you know, providing one of the all-time great World Cup goals. Uh, Tim Cahill kind of going on Twitter to say how much it meant for him to play for Australia. And, like, unfortunately, none of that kind of passion um, or skill in terms of what they produced um, came across from the three lions. So it's pretty, uh, yeah, pretty disappointing summer for us. But luckily, the other countries have kind of, uh, you know, picked up the baton and and performed well uh, entertainment-wise for everybody.
1: Mike, it's Carlos. Do you think the English national team has become more irrelevant uh, I mean, I know the EPL is something that 's always at the forefront of all the English supporters, but you know there 's always high hopes when you go to a World Cup, probably expectations a bit too high normally. This one here there was low expectations you failed in the group stage, and it doesn 't seem to be the outrage that you normally would get. So do people care any more about the England national team?
0: Unfortunately, uh, the honest answer is no I mean <laughs> the, that the Premier League is the global game now for us it's it's a great product and we're proud of it but it's really gone to the detriment um of of the England team and it's um it's really sad actually that, that that um that this has happened because it used to be like people doing everything they can to to play for England every you know put wear their heart on their sleeves when they're when they're out there with the three lines on their chest but now um, you know we've got a lot of people dropping out a lot of a lot of retirements, and um and people who probably care more about club football than they do about the national team which is uh which is not great
3: mike it's very interesting we were in rio and we were at a restaurant and there was a table of english guys who had flown over they didn't have any tickets but they they wanted to be part of the action and that was that was so impressive because, you know, that, that's a lot of commitment there for, for your national team that, that didn't deliver. But I was going to say, the game against Italy was, uh, was full of promise because it was very competitive and you guys were plucky and you didn't lay down and, 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 and you fought back. But then it all went downhill. Uh, is, is, was there any sort of deep sort of discussion as to what went wrong the, the next two games?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, there, there is also the, the kind of the Manaus conspiracy theory um, where, you know, where people who played in Manaus uh, first round of games then really suffered because it, it was uh, the conditions really zapped a lot out of them. There, there was that, which also happened to the Italians and, and a couple of others as well. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the inquest really is that we just probably, probably weren't, weren't as good as, as the other three teams. As simple as that, really. I mean, Italy. Um, the, the, there was a theory that Italy probably would have done with a would have, would, have, would have settled for a draw, but was so attacking in that first game that it kind of uh, stoked Italy, and they came on and they, they won well. And and then I think you know Luis Suarez was the difference between England and Uruguay in the second game. Uh, and then. And then the third game was an, irre- an irrelevance, really. Um, so those first two games uh, was where it all went wrong. Uh, um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty stark times.
4: Mike, you mentioned Luis Suarez, who had his, um, who had his fill of uh, an Italian shoulder. We actually chose um, certain parts of a cow at a Brazilian <laughs> barbecue, which Luis obviously didn't get to. But... Um, In the subsequent aftermath of Luis Suarez and his biting and his four-month ban from all football, it seems to me that Liverpool almost seem relieved in some way to actually be given a means by which they can part ways with Luis Suarez. I'm wondering, from your point of view, if you were Liverpool and there seems to be one clear option, and that's Barcelona, would you take the cash and cash only, or would you be looking to negotiate this sort of Alex, Alexis Sanchez plus money from Barcelona for Luis Suarez. How do you think it'll play out?
0: Uh, well, what I would do is keep him at Anfield like they did one year ago, but how I think it'll play out is that they probably will sell him now to uh, Barcelona because they probably have had enough of him, um, you know, a three-times biter and everything else that goes with it. Um, doesn't really sit well with uh, the Liverpool proud tradition that they do have at Anfield. But um, that, that's how I think he'll play out. But personally, I think they should keep him. Um, there's not many players around in the world like him uh, and they stand a much better chance of success with him rather than without him, regardless of um, what he does uh, when he sees a red miss. I think that's the that is why you're a manager um, and why you have to kind of coach players. That That's your job, really. That That's my opinion. It, it's not... Yeah, I, I can't say it's shared by many people, um, but I would definitely try and keep him at the club.
3: Mike, I saw a very cheeky tweet uh, this morning and said something like, given that uh, Suarez can't play any competitive games for a while, surely he could go to Tottenham. <laughs> 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 <That's really>
0: yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few, but it's... it's um, it's who can afford him as well. Yeah. Uh, I don't think many can afford him. So I mean, as a Spurs fan I'd I'd gladly have him and I <laughs> say that's my point as well. Yeah, yeah. You'd have, you'd have him in your team. Got, with, all, with everything that comes with it, I'd still have him in my team. And, Not in my living room,
1: but in my team. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh, or a dinner party, you wouldn't have him at the dinner party, you wouldn't get any food. But <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Mike, I really agree with you, you know? Uh, you know. Why would Liverpool want to let him go uh, if Barcelona is willing to take him on? And they're, one of their major sponsors is UNICEF. Mm. So they're willing to put it all behind them. Uh, why would Liverpool let go a player who... The, it will continue to have an, an increased value over time because he's just improving all the time. He'll help them in the Champions League, um, and he's a he's a guy who, who's this mis- misdemeanour didn't happen in the Liverpool shirt. It happened in the Uruguayan shirt. So, yeah. I, I would be surprised if Liverpool let him go. In fact, I think it'd be stupid for Liverpool to let him go.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into the old you know, the Barcelona more than a club stuff. I mean, I think they've shown their true colours with the uh, <laughs> Neymar, uh, ne- Neymar negotiations. Uh, uh, and there's a fantastic bit of punditry from some of the guys over here, which you, which is, you can see, you can see on YouTube, from uh, Gordon Strachan. You know, I don't agree with everything he says, but uh, he he said over here recently, there's no morals in football. And um, I think I tend to agree with him. You know, you can I think people will... Or people will forgive and probably forget as well if if, they, if Luis Suarez wins um, Liverpool the first title uh, since 1990.
3: Mike, uh, is the fear with uh, Suarez one that involves the media? Pardon the pun, but uh, would the media be the ones that are going to eat him up and carve him up if he comes back because... He, he has had a tough time with the media and it seemed that last season his football did the talking for him and he recovered uh, and, and rebuilt his reputation. But he's, he, he's back to square one and is there a sense that uh, if he does come back to the Premier League, to the EPL, it, it's just going to be too hard for, for him to manage?
0: Uh, no, I think that's an excuse really uh, from his, his party, you know, his advisor. I find that an excuse. Uh, the Football Writers Association also voted him the player of the year there's no agenda there. It's uh, it's just, in my opinion, it's, it's fair reporting on what was an outrageous incident. This latest one is the, is the just the latest of many outrageous incidents. Um, so I, I, I don't really that doesn't really wash with me the kind of let's blame it on the English media, which, which is how the Uruguay uh, you know players and and some of their officials kind of tried to tried to pin it on us. And, to be honest, with Suarez's apology, they've been made slip-falls by him as well. You know, they've stuck up for a guy and said he was innocent, and then he comes out and and shows his true colours.
4: Now, Mike, a final one from me. There's no doubt that you pay overs if you want an English player from another club coming to your club. Manchester United with Luke Shaw at £27 million and Adam Luana to Liverpool at £25 million. I, I think we'd both agree that... That's overs, but that's what you're paying if you want an English player. Tell me who's going to have the bargain buy at the end of the season? Is it going to be Manu or Liverpool?
0: I think to choose out of the two, I think I, I, I probably think Liverpool. Um, not that I think Luke Shaw's a bad player at all, but I just think Adam Lalana probably is in is in a very influential area of the pitch and is and it has the talent to win matches for them. Um, whereas you know sure, we'll be part of a successful team if United get it together on the pitch. Uh, yeah, that's not to say that you don't have match winners at, uh, at left-back. Um, you know, Gianluca Zambrotta eight years ago, you say, was a World Cup winner from that position. Ashley Cole, um, you know, I, I put him in any any team in the um, in the Premier League right now at, at the age that he's at. But I think is probably the one to look out for next year. He's, he's a superb player.
1: Mike, uh, Frank Lampard, this talk, obviously, uh, he's now joined uh, New York uh, York, um, FC, I think, uh, and uh, because of the long off-season, it looks like he might be spending some time here at Melbourne City, uh, the team that was purchased by Manchester City owners. Uh, Tell the people of Australia uh, whether they're going to get a fair dinkum Frank Lampard We know that he's been a great player, Champions League player uh, England uh, international uh, Really respected player One of the all time greats of the EPL And also Chelsea uh, Are we going to get a fair dinkum Frank Lampard You must know him, you've interviewed uh, You've been in press conferences with him You know him pretty pretty well uh, Is he the sort of bloke that will you know, run his guts out For Melbourne City or is he in retirement mode? Uh, it, it,
0: you get it. They'll be getting a complete bargain he, he will be an 100% player. There's no doubt about that. He, he, could do, he could do a job easily for a, for a top-four team, as he did you know a couple of months ago.
1: Um,
0: and he's also not the type of player to go, on, to go on holiday for a couple of years either. I think he's proven that. Um, he's a player that took uh, the talent that he had, and it wasn't as much as some other people had, but he maximized it and had one of the best uh, Premier League goal-scoring records um, he's uh, yeah. That's a really, really exciting signing for anybody who wants to watch it. Any, any, anybody who wants to, um, you know, wants an example of what dedication is. It's, it's him. It's his training because uh, he, he trained himself to be that good and and still is that good.
2: He definitely looks like a man of high integrity. Mike, thanks for your time. It's been great to spend a little bit of time with you uh, tonight, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon.
0: Cheers. Cheers, guys. Speak soon. Yeah, Bye great right.
2: to talk to you. There's uh, Mike McGrath from The Sun. Warren, we need to go to a break. Yeah, no, I was quick just
4: going to say, I lo- you know I love Stevie G. Yeah. But Frank Lampard's actually got a better goal-scoring record as a midfielder than Stevie G has in the Premier League. And that's the sort of guy you're getting in terms of he scores a goal and a bit every three games as a midfielder. He's an absolute sensational player. I think he played 40-odd games for Chelsea last year, so... There you go. As we good go to the break, again, um, Frank Lampard
2: better than Stevie G says Warren Diego. <laughs> this is the Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN Melbourne's home of sport
1: on eleven sixteen SEN the Four
2: Diego's. Yes, and after the Diego's, it's all night appetite. Uh, good show from twelve till midnight. Uh, it's been a big. Big show so far on our return journey from Brazil. Vinny Venezuela, Um, how can our listeners get involved and see what happened in Brazil?
3: Look, just I'm very surprised that uh, Warren thinks Lampard's a better player than um, (laughs) than Stevie G. Well, given that he had a he had a close, a near body experience with Stevie G. Actually, I haven't mentioned that. Sorry about that. Yeah, no. I'm no I know you're getting excited, but you've already, you've already crossed him off your list. But let me just do this, then we can get back to your little story. But uh, look, if you're interested in the Diegos, go to facebook.com forward slash 4Diegos. There, there are lots of, um, st- there's lots of things to do with the 4Diegos there. There's mm-hmm. lots of stuff to do with the trip. Interestingly, there, there, there are lots of videos, and there's one video that uh, Rodrigo and I wouldn't mind you people uh, helping us uh, sort out. There's, there's a dance-off between Carlos <laughs> and Warren, mm. um, and, you know, it, it, it's interesting, to
1: say the I, least. I think I was better than Warren, even though, with all due respect to Rodrigo, oh, the camera work was quite shoddy.
2: Don't ever, you know, you I mean, were in my face, you know, <laughs> I didn't have any distance, so I couldn't move yeah, back. Yeah, I
1: thought, out of the two of us, I was, I'm certain I was a better dancer.
3: I thought uh, there was, I, I know Rodrigo was leaning towards your one, uh, Carlos, but I, I was leaning more towards Warren because I, I felt that his was, was uh, seducing <laughs> yeah. me a little Mine bit more Mine was done directly.
4: at halftime of the Netherlands-Australia game to Pharrell Williams and the song Happy, even right. though it's been, the music is now Saturday Night Fever, isn't it, Carlos? Yeah. Staying alive. Staying Why, alive. Why BGs. don't you check it out and, yeah. and vote. Vote which
2: is your favourite. Uh, Warren's... Dance and there's a bit of scarf action as well, yeah. and uh, or sort Carlos's scarf action. hand action, yes, you know, uh, it's a little uh, bit suggestive.
1: Yeah, hand action. I wouldn't what? use that term. <laughs> well, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's more John Travolta's Saturday Night Fever. Well, there was a bit of hand action, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. But um, however you want to describe it, Carlos, <laughs> Vinny, Facebook.com forward slash Fort Diego's. Right. Tell
1: Man. us what you think. Who's yeah. the better dancer? Mm. Mm. Mm.
2: Interesting. All right, uh, a couple of interesting text messages. As good as James Rodriguez has been. Brazil will beat Colombia and win the cup. That's Mick in Somerton.
1: There, some, there is actually some substance about this Brazilian side. I don't think they've been brilliant with some of the uh, great Brazilian sides. When I was uh, late night in my, my, one of my... Uh, in, I, don't, I can't remember which hotel it was. I think it might have been in uh, Sao Paulo. They actually had the 1982 uh, Brazil versus Italy. Uh, I think it was a quarterfinal. And it was one of the greatest games in I the history. That. Yeah, in, in the history. was where Paolo Rossi hit, scored a hat-trick with three touches. Uh, one of the greatest games in World Cup history. Some people thought it was the best game in the World Cup. And they had that. And I watched that Brazilian side that was just so sombre like they, they, they It was playing with Gaia Bannon for the whole 90 minutes. And that was just a great side. Socrates and Falcao and Junior and fantastic players. And then I watched the, <laughs> Brazil playing whoever they did on the day. And it's just chalk and cheese. But... Uh, they play modern football that can win tournaments, so I think I think uh, they've got the substance to to beat Colombia. Even though I think Colombia are, uh, are the upstarts that might cause a bit of a shock. Yeah, they're pragmatic. Although Carlos,
4: <laughs> I was reading an article that basically says the Brazilian people have wiped the 1994 World Cup team because it was just too dour. They yeah. didn't they didn't play with the passion. And there's also there's a sense in Brazil this time that. Even though they'll go with winning the World Cup again, that yep. this team is going to fall into that category of not being remembered yep. for a way of playing football that they associate with their culture and with their country yep. and their people. So it is an interesting one, and I want you to take that Stevie Gerard <laughs> comment back because I didn't say anything, and I actually can I. Tell the quick story about how I came within 30 metres of Stevie G. Sure. I was actually waiting at the Copacabana Grand Hotel. I was told to be there at 12.30. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 12.30. <laughs> you up. Don't be late by Carlos. But you're also
2: told to have a working phone in Brazil.
4: And I ended up having one that was better than Carlos that almost saved us, Rodrigo, if you actually remember, if we go back to that. But um, I was waiting there and I'd be really interested to get SMS feedback as to when your friends are late. How long do you wait there for? What's a reasonable <laughs> time to wait? Well, I waited for an hour or so, and then all these um armoured vehicles were coming past and I was thinking, oh, this is a bit strange. It was the English bus. And I'm there on the corner and there across. My eyes meet his from twenty meters away. There was Glenn Johnson first, Stevie G next, and then there was a few other Man City and you know Nuff Nuffs. But I met him from 30 metres away, and that was probably my, the highlight of my trip. And I actually stayed waiting for the other Diagos for over an hour.
1: You know, he, he played very poorly after that moment.
3: <laughs>
4: what, what amazes me is that uh, this is – Stevie G's is the guy's
3: hero, mm-hmm. and Warren – couldn't take a photo of him with his iPhone. But he, I said, did you take a photo of Stevie? He goes, I didn't have my camera. Said, what about your iPhone, Warren? I didn't need to take a photo of any. That's what he said. Yes, I
2: did. Yes. There's also a bit of love around Brazil. Uh, not sorry, Belgium rather at uh, for the World Cup. 34 to 1 there, Warren. Um, 680 if you put 20 bucks on
4: Belgium.
1: Yeah, I like Belgium
4: win. as a bit of an upset. I just don't think they're playing... Well enough, Lukaku not... when he came yeah, on made was a electric. Difference. Made he, a difference. he monstered
1: yep. the US. Even though the kid they had up front, I forget his name now, but they, they brought him out of nowhere and he played quite well. But when Lukaku came on, he made it happen. When was he that came, Prince on, Harry. Prince Harry. No, no, that was uh, Van Bruin, who was actually a very good good player who scored the first goal. Hazard
4: just hasn't been Chelsea Hazard for me. Although no. he ne- and I think he needs to be at his absolute best for them to win.
1: Bel- the Bel- Belgium team hasn't been as free-flowing as no, I thought. No. Maybe because Ben Tecky's not playing, he didn't make the squad or he was injured he's or whatever. Injured. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, but I just felt that uh, th- they haven't really got to the level I think that they should be at. But they're a good enough side to maybe trouble... Uh, who are they playing in the uh, – they're playing um, – Who did you say, Belgium, Argentina? Yeah, Argentina. Well, mm. yeah, Argentina yeah, haven't game. been great. Yeah.
2: So that is one of the quarterfinals. Netherlands, Costa Rica, France, Germany and Brazil, Colombia. It's fantastic football. In Brazil, We're glad to be back, happy to be back on Terra Firma here in Melbourne. And thanks for listening tonight. Don't forget, after the Diagos, it's Darren Parkin with All Night Appetite. And in from 12 till 2, it's Howard Lee. We'll be back next week. So remember, Carlos.
1: Wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out, we'll be there.
2: Wherever you
4: Samba, Rumba and La bumba, we'll, we'll be there.
3: Wherever there are girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet, we'll be there. Wherever
4: gringos play football, we'll be there. there. We are the Four Diego. Ole!